Welcome to this uh, episode of EdChoice Chats. I'm Jennifer Wagner, the Vice President of Communications for EdChoice, and I am joined today by Stanton Skurjanic, a teacher in Fort Collins, Colorado, who is uh, going to share with us some of his views on educational choice. Welcome, Stanton. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so tell us just a little bit about what inspired you to become a teacher and, and how long you've been teaching. So I've only been teaching for about a year. Um, what uh, got me into teaching, and there's a long-term and a short-term answer to that. Long-term is um, my mother is a teacher. My father is a teacher. Well, he's a principal now. My grandfather grandfather was a teacher, so it's, uh, I guess you could say it's in the blood almost. Um, but, but really, um, when I graduated uh, college, I was looking for a job. And uh, I graduated political science saying, hey, it's the summer 2016. They're going to need campaigns and elections out there. But then uh, X, Y, and Z happened. And it just, politics just did not seem like a good idea for 2016 at the time. So I put out a couple applications. I subscribed to the uh, Heritage Foundation's job bank list. And I saw this position, this economics government instructor in Fort Collins, and said, hey, I can try that. We'll go, we'll go try that out. So I got an interview, uh, came back to Colorado. I grew up in Colorado. And after an hour and a half of grueling questions on economics from seven different panelists, I finally got the job. And um, here I am, a teacher at Liberty Common High School. Well, that is outstanding. And that's a charter school, correct? It's a public charter school. That's right. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about, about the school and your students. I mean, what's it like to spend a day in your classroom? So, yeah, so Liberty Common High School, it's a, it's a public charter school. Um, the, it's divided into two parts, an elementary and a high school. Uh, high school started a little bit later, around 2010-ish. Um, it is a core knowledge school. So it's not common core. Um, it's core knowledge, which I guess has its philosophical roots um, in a book called uh, The Schools We Need and Why We Don't Have Them by E.D. Hirsch, Jr. It's all about this concept that... Uh, in order to have a strong democratic society in which people truly have uh, uh, an equality among them, people have to have a, a common set of knowledge, a, almost a common culture, right? And so our, our motto um, is, uh, is, is, is it's common knowledge, common virtue, and common sense. Uh, everything is, everything, everyone is expected to know the same things at a certain point in time at all times. And so we, 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 in, we teach this concept to them so that in the hopes that they are able to live a strong civic life in America. Um, so that's where the common comes from. The liberty is that we love liberty. We love everything about freedom. Um, I, I teach economics. I teach, uh, we don't teach Keynesian. We teach uh, a strong Austrian curriculum. So think Thomas Sowell's basic economics. Think Frederick Bastiat's The Law. Um, Henry Hazlitt's Economics in One Lesson. Th those are the kind of books we teach. Um, the, the, I guess you, if you wanted to talk about, I guess, uh, what a typical classroom will look like in just about any classroom, um, some teachers utilize a Socratic seminar style. Um, I prefer a lecture, but the, the philosophy underlying all teachers is sage on the stage not a guide on the side um we we don't believe in in this in in uh, it's not that we don't believe in, in hands-on kind of stuff we have a, a very strong 
engineering program, the, uh, the STEM program here. But we truly, truly believe that if students want to maximize their ability to explore and learn new things on their own, they have to be given a strong foundational set of facts or strong knowledge, this common knowledge that we talked about. So um, that, makes, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a lot like my law school experience, actually. You got Socratic method in there. You're taking me back to high school economics. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's all positive, though, I promise. Um, so, you know, uh, you're obviously a fairly new educator, um, but you're mm -hmm. a supporter of educational choice. And I just I want to mm -hmm. probe a little bit, like, what does that mean to you? What does school choice mean? And then how do you um, how do you see it evolving uh, over the next 10 or 20 years? Yeah, so so school choice uh, looks like to me, um, it, it looks like a variety of choices for parents. Um, it doesn't look like one or two very limited options in which some governing authority says you must choose these two. No, it, it looks like stu students are diverse, they're, they're varied, and they have different styles, and parents know, parents understand that. Um, and so there should be a very a very large list of options for parents to do. And, and so what school choice looks like to me is uh, maximizing individual students' learning experience. Um, some students do very, very well in a traditional setting. Some students do very, very poorly in a traditional setting. Um, and so school choice means being able to do, being able to choose that which is best for you. Um, what does it look like? to me in the next five or 10 years. Um, uh, honestly, I think the, the, the school choice movement is part of the broader uh, liberty movement. And the liberty movement has been gaining ground. Um, but from what, I, from what I see is liberty to, to people is, 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 is paradoxically unknown to them. They don't understand it. And so what we have to do is we have to teach them the ability to choose, the freedom to choose is a good thing, and let us show you why. It's not just practical for you. It doesn't, it's not just that um, your student will get better scores. It's not just that they will have a better experience. It's, it is a better moral choice that you have a, a control over yourself and not someone else having control over you. And so I think the school choice movement in the next five to ten years looks like people truly beginning to realize there's something better out there, better both in terms of practical outcomes and better in terms of, uh, of, a, of a civic ethic. Well, and it's ironic in every other walk of life, we expect choice. We embrace mm -hmm. that liberty. But in K-12 education, we often find that there are some arguments used against educational choice um, that definitely favor the system and the grown-ups in it, not necessarily the families and students uh, that are seeking to, to get in where they fit in. Um, we like to use that expression. How do you, how do you overcome that, that divide? Um, as a teacher, especially, I'm interested in hearing your take. Sure. So, I mean, pe people fear what they don't know. And the current system we have, we've had it for so long that it's familiar. It's, it, it may not be great, but it it's at least comfortable, right? So the question that we have to do is we have to, we have to say that this newness, this new liberty that, we're, that, we, want to, that we want to give, it's not bad. Um, at least when it, when, when it comes to teachers especially, um, 
I think by and large, we have to realize that teachers aren't the enemy of school choice, at least not on the whole. I think most teachers, and I, I don't want to sound naive about this, but I think most teachers want to just teach. They want to do their job. Um, of course, there are individuals and groups who are you know, the more unionist type that want to just maintain a, a sort of status quo. But I think by and large, they want to do their job. That said, they may think that they can't do their job or that they'll be hindered in their job um, if we go to a new, more free choice system. Um, you know, one of the common things I hear with uh, non-charter teachers is uh, the poor get left behind, the demographically um, uh, underprivileged get left behind in this system, that we have no guarantees of it. And there are always risks of failure. Don't that 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 we need to acknowledge. There's always risk of failure. But I always ask him, do you want to risk a better future, or do you want to maintain a status quo that has almost no future in sight? Um, that's that's where you have you have to bridge the common ground, saying we want to enable teachers to teach. We don't want to burden them with some uh, either a bureaucratic state or some status quo that just isn't going anywhere it's just staying stagnant and that's that's good for no one so i think what we really have to do is we have to acknowledge that teachers aren't the enemy they're not they're not this this group of people out to stop all progress they're people who want to teach we just have to show them that you can teach and you can do this well in a better way so i have to ask though coming from a family of educators um have you had any pushback from for for your stance on on choice and and choosing from the educators in your family? Uh, so yes and no. So my my dad taught um, public high school for quite a while, and then he actually became a, a Catholic school principal, um, and now he's back into the public in the public sector. But um, not not really. So uh, so take my mother, who has always been a public educator. She she knows all the problems that come with the with the with the current status quo. Um, charter schools she she doesn't she doesn't uh, challenge the 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 results of a lot of charter schools. She has problems in the fact that a lot of charters seem at least to have too great of risk of failure, or that uh, charter schools seem to be they're getting the same funding or similar funding that traditional public schools are without having to follow the rules to her, that seems unjust. And, you know, maybe, maybe it does sound like that, but my always response is, um, well, why don't we free up you? Why don't we free up the traditional schools as well? We don't have to make up charter schools, but let's reform what you are as well. But in order to do that, we have to provide options and we have to provide people with the idea that, there's something better out there. Um, it's it's it really just comes down to a matter of uh, what what. Let me put it this way: teachers want to see results, right? Um, and we have to show them the results of what free free to choose can do. Um, and I think and I think an organization like EdChoice does that very very well. They, they gather all this data and they say, look at this. Look at how successful this is becoming. 
all the questions that you have, we can answer them. That is really where you bridge the gap because public teachers, including my mom, they want to teach and they want, they want to, to help kids. I think we just have to show them that the resources can be used in a better way. Well, we always love to hear that we are, you know, the, the bridge in that gap, that, the, that our research and that uh, our resources can be helpful there. So, so thank you for the compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you think, I mean, obviously, you're fairly new in the classroom, um, and we see in our national polling sometimes that this issue does break down where, um, as you were saying earlier, you've got a younger generation um, that has choice in every other aspect of their lives, that is, you know, maybe coming into this concept of liberty as a very empowering thing. Do you think that educational choice is a generational issue and that we will have less trouble explaining it to, you know, maybe even millennials who don't have kids yet in the system, that they will come to expect it when their kids are, are school age? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think it is partially generational. Uh, I mean, the generation right right above me, the half generation or generation and a half above me, um, you know, they, they come from a from they, they still come from the from the good old stock of traditional public school. Right. Um, and I think I think what you are going to see is that as we realize how diverse our options are in so many other aspects, we are eventually going to realize why is this not not here? So, so take 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 Silicon Valley for example, right? Silicon Valley has been uh, funding uh, tremendous amounts of of schools who are um, involved in computer science, in technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, these businesses are beginning to realize we can do better in different ways, and I think as other people see that as as these. As these organizations who have a lot of capital to invest in, we're going to realize, why are they the only ones who are investing capital? Why don't we as taxpayers also put our capital where it should go best? I think that's eventually going to, it's going to happen just by the sheer weight of a system that's starting to fail. Um, that, and that, that sounds like a, like a doomsday kind of thing, and it kind of is, but... The more a system begins to fit, the more a system fails, the more people realize that we have to do something different. And hopefully we can we can change things up a bit before system failure. But who knows? I think I think you're right. I think it is a generational thing, if only because of the sheer weight of how bad the system is now. It definitely feels like there's a there's a tidal wave coming. Um, I guess mm-hmm. I want to end on a positive uh, question. Um, as an educator, and my parents are both educators as well, I, it, it's an amazing job and it's an amazing thing you're doing. What is the most rewarding part of your job as you stand up there in front of those students and and talk to them about economics and and policy? What what do you take away from your first year in the classroom as as the most rewarding experience? So the most rewarding experience I get is is just seeing when a student who's been struggling to understand a concept, they finally get it. It just clicks that that aha moment. It, it is so rewarding because you, you put in a lot of time, lesson planning, put in a lot of time trying to, trying to, trying to develop a good lecture that this one student who just cannot get it finally just boom, there it is. She gets it. She understands. Um, that, re- that really to me is pretty rewarding. The other moments, um, I got a letter from 
one of my students in my uh, government class. Um, he wasn't really involved in government at all. He didn't really like civics all that much. And uh, about semester way in, semester and a half, um, he wrote me this little uh, card. And he, he said how much he enjoyed the class. And you know, he was thinking, you know, I would love to do politics someday, too. And, that, and those moments as well, those kind of that you that you've made some difference, even in just one student's uh, student's experience. Those moments are worth it. And those are the moments that keep you going forward. And I, uh, as a first year teacher, who I didn't train to be a teacher, I trained in political science. As a first year teacher, those are the kind of things that keep you fueled and keep you going, at least for now. So. That's fantastic. I mean, and I think you are echoing the sentiment of so many educators, and I think you're absolutely right when you say that teachers just want to teach. So, um, well, I want to thank you for your time and, and let you add anything if there's anything that we didn't get to cover that you want to talk about. Um, not, not really. The, the, only, the only thing I have to, to add on is um, freedom and liberty and choice is, is difficult. It can be really tricky. It's it's, it's not easy. Um, and we as advocates of choice, advocates of liberty, we have to recognize that and we have to help people along. We have to give them their own support, their own scaffolding to be able to say, I choose liberty. I think that's, that's an important role that we have to play. And I think that's an amazing sentiment to end on. So thank you, Stanton, for your time today and, and for everything that you're doing to educate young minds and, uh, and help give back. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of EdChoice Chats. I'm today's host, Jennifer Wagner, and on behalf of our entire EdChoice team, be well. Mm -hmm.